0: So I just wanted to talk a little bit about suffrage, the prayers for the souls, the souls in purgatory, of course, that need our prayers. So the word itself um, expresses, means all the works, all the deeds offered to God by the living souls, by all of us, to free souls from purgatory. These suffrages are either satisfactory works like the Mass, satisfaction, which is um, one of the ends of the Mass, if you remember, adoration, thanksgiving, uh, satisfaction to be sorry for our sins, and petition we ask for, we worship, we adore, we give thanks, we. Are sorry for, we expiate, and we ask for the four essential ends of the mass. So these uh, works towards these souls in purgatory are also have a satisfactory purpose, like the mass itself, uh, satisfaction in order, which means the, the penance and so on, in order to appease God's justice. All the prayers we do, the alms giving, the corporal penances we we do and so on have these satisfactory um, um, aspect through all these deeds, all these works all these acts the living offered to God what corresponds to this debt due to our sins we satisfy, in other words for the temporal punishment due to uh, also for these souls in purgatory the, the faithful departed they have still these temporal punishment. we'll explain we'll go through that last year I explained as well if you remember the temporal punishments due to our sins here on earth already but also of course in purgatory as well so that's one main point for the word suffrage itself so all these deeds offered to God for the departed souls with first of all a satisfactory um, purpose then another means uh, of practicing this suffrage for the souls is through indulgences. And I open here a little parenthesis regarding indulgences. Canon mentioned it in his sermon yesterday, I think, quickly. Um, this indulgency that we can apply to the faithful departed, uh, granted by the church. It's a it's a concession given by the church, which works, um, have their f- fruits... Um, by themselves, which means ex opere operato. It doesn't depend on my own actions or my own intention or so on, no, but as soon as I receive these graces, as soon as I fulfill what is required for an indulgence, then ex opere operato, this indulgence is applied right away to these souls without uh, me, you know, being, um, we'll explain if I am not in the state of grace or so on, like the Mass, as you know, it operates ex, from its very um, operation, Mass gives the fruits that we need uh, to souls anyway, despite the imperfections of the priest, despite, even if the priest is in a state of mortal sin, uh, because he's just an instrument. So, of course, for him, he commits sacrilege, but the souls attending to his Mass, of course, receive all the fruits of the Mass, because ex opere operato, it doesn't depend on the man, the person doing the work but uh, it's really the church working through him uh, and that's the case also with these indulgences if I ask if I receive indulgences but I'm not in a state for instance that would allow me really to receive that but I fulfill the, the obligations um, still the, 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 the act uh, will m- allow me to receive these graces that will go straight to souls that needs these need these prayers. So, regarding the indulgence, an indulgence is the remission before God of the temporal punishment due for sins already forgiven, as far as their guilt is concerned. This remission, the, sin, the faithful, with the proper dispositions and under certain de- determined conditions, acquire through the intervention of the Church, which, as a minister of the redemption, authoritatively dispenses and applies the treasury of the satisfaction won by Christ and the saints. These are just reminders. An indulgence is partial or plenary, as you know, according as it removes either parts or all of the temporal punishment due for sin. No one acquiring indulgences can apply them to other living persons. We can apply these indulgences to uh, departed souls, but not to living persons, because these living, living persons are still free they still have their, their uh, free will and so on. And so you cannot, in a way, force God's grace in, in them. Because we're free beings. Whereas souls, departed souls, can profit from our prayers. Because uh, they know in purgatory, they know that they need it. But they cannot do anything. They cannot refuse or accept it. It's really, they, they have to go through it. To go as soon as possible to heaven. Whereas, again... I cannot force anyone's freedom in a way regarding God's grace. So that's why we cannot apply these graces to other living persons. To myself, of course, but not to, to others. You can, of course, pray and you should pray and offer sacrifices, maybe, you know, for conversions and so on. But this particular package of grace cannot be applied, you know, through my own will to someone else who might be in a state that would not allow God's grace to... God's grace. to to penetrate in his or her soul. Partial, as well as plenary indulgences, can always be applied to the departed by way of suffrage. This list is a convenient compilation of all the ways to obtain a plenary indulgence, not that in addition to the described work, obtaining a plenary indulgence also has the following conditions. Sacramental confession, as you know, a single sacramental confession suffices for gaining several plenary indulgences, but communion must be received and prayer for the intention of the sovereign pontiff must be recited for the gaining of each plenary indulgence. Eucharistic communion, usually we say within about 10 days, Uh, now it's a little bit more lax, the rule, due to the difficulty to have priests for confessions, for instance, or just even communion. So, ten days before or after the indulgence act, as I announced last Sunday, last, uh, for the Feast of Christ the King, prayer for the intention of the Sovereign Pontiff. If you have any doubt about uh, the actual situation in the Church, uh, remember, Canon Strada mentioned, uh, I don't have it here, but mentioned what we mean by intentions of the Sovereign Pontiff. It's not like... Uh, it's much wider than what we would think, you know, oh, how can I pray for the Pope knowing this and that? Well, uh, for his intentions knowing this and that, but it's not his intention, it's the general intentions that the Church has, and there is a, a list of three or four, uh, like maintaining the faith and so on, these intentions that are not um, attached to the, the, the person of the Pope himself, but really his authority is uh, given by God. So we can always pray for the intentions of the Sovereign Pontiff. The condition of praying for the intention of the Sovereign Pontiff is fully satisfied by reciting One Our Father and One Hail Mary, usually in a glory be. Nevertheless, each one is free to recite any other prayer according to his piety and devotion. It is further required that all attachment to sin, even venial sin, be absent. If the latter disposition is in any way less than perfect, or if the prescribed three conditions are not fulfilled, the indulgence will be partial only. So again, it's not that you don't receive anything, but it will be just a partial indulgence. Um, Obtainable at any time and place, any place, is uh, indulgences. Regarding uh, reading of sacred scripture, for instance... A partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who with the veneration due to the divine word make a spiritual reading from sacred scriptures. A plenary indulgence is granted if this reading is continued for at least one half an hour. (coughs) Recitation of the Holy Rosary. A plenary indulgence is granted plenary indulgence if the rosary is recited in a church or a public oratory or in a family group. So every Sunday you have the opportunity to receive a plenary indulgence with the public... Rosary a plenary indulgence at the 8 o'clock a plenary indulgence is granted um, Sorry Of course regarding the rosary. It's a partial indulgence in any other circumstances the way of the cross plenary indulgence when it's pious exercise and um, Of the, the faithful you can receive a plenary indulgence adoration of the most blessed sacrament Partial indulgence is granted to the faithful who visit the most blessed sacrament to adore it. A plenary indulgence now is granted if the visit lasts for at least half an hour. On special days, of course, you can also receive plenary indulgence or uh, like each Friday of Lent, Passion Tide after Communion. If you say the following prayer, you remember, look down upon me, good and gentle Jesus, you find it in your missal, <clears throat> having a crucifix uh, that you can look at while saying this prayer, a plenary indulgence, uh, on other days, if you recite this prayer on other days, it's a, just a partial indulgence, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, a plenary indulgence is a greeting it to the faithful in the solemn liturgical action of Good Friday, devoutly assist at the adoration of the cross and kiss it. I give you a, a list because, again, this plenary indulgence, as we are in the month of November dedicated to holy souls in purgatory, it's not only for us, but we can truly apply them to these souls. And we have lots, lots of, of opportunities every week to receive these plenary or partial indulgences. Uh, Paschal Vigil, Feast of Pentecost, Corpus Christi, Second Thursday after Pentecost, for the Most Feast of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus, Third Friday after Pentecost, Feast of the Holy Apostles, All Souls Day, Last Day of the Year, Visit to a Church or Oratory of, of Religious, on the Feast of the Holy Founder, or like we had on the Feast of Christ the King. Um... Visit to a church or an altar on the day of its consecration, the consecration, the anniversary of the consecration of our church in um, Kansas City a few days ago, obtainable on special occasions in one's life. So, First Communion, First Mass of newly ordained priests, when there is uh, some solemnity um, and the faithful assist to the Mass of this newly ordained priest. So that's just a reminder regarding these indulgences and how many, how many ways uh, are given to us to really <coughs> receive these <coughs> indulgences. And of course, I didn't mention it here, but uh, visit of a cemetery uh, now in the, for the month of November and pray for the souls there. So going back to our suffrages, <coughs> we have first of all these satisfactory deeds that we can do. Some prayers, alms given, uh, uh, corporeal penances. Then we have the indulgences themselves. And then we have prayers, another form of prayer, which are in, called the uh, prayers of intercession. We ask for God's mercy for the f- faithful departed. Uh, <coughs> Uh, Remember, this is also one of the ends of the Mass, as we mentioned. We ask for impetratory, I think you might say in English. Prayer, you you ask for the graces you need or graces that other souls would need. Uh, You ask or you do satisfaction, you penance and so on. And this is the beauty of what we call the communion of saints, of course, that we proclaim in the Creed Every day when you say the rosary, we believe in the communion of saints. I mentioned that already when we talk about saints. It's not the elected that are already in heaven, but it's us as members of the church, triumphant church, uh, militant and suffering church, the suffering church, not the souls in hell, but the souls in purgatory. Uh, Little parenthesis, I don't think I have it here. (coughs) Um... It's funny to to remember that Saint Thomas, with other fathers of the Church, think that purgatory is the center of the earth with hell. It's attached to hell. Hell is really at the center of the earth, and purgatory is around it. Think of I gave the example to the, the candidates yesterday, but um, think of a fire. You know, it's the 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 heart of the fire is the, earth, the the middle of the earth, and then around it you have these flames, and so the souls in purgatory are purified through these flames that touch the heart of hell. That's why, for instance, we say he descended into hell. But in English, it's not really precise, accurate, because remember in, in, in Latin and in, in other languages, it's um, plural. We have a distinction between plural, hells, and singular hell. Hell would be the center where the devil is, and hells would be kind of the limbo of the the fathers, different... Sections in these uh, hells. Uh, the limbo of the, the, the father, of the bosom of Abraham, before they were redeemed by Christ dying on the cross. Remember, they were not in hell. They were in, in English, you would say, yeah, hell, but it's, it's confusing if uh, you don't make the distinction. <clears throat> or limbo, um, or um, simply the, the purgatory for souls in, in purgatory. So it's attached in a way, it's near hell, but it's not hell itself. Because Christ wouldn't be, uh, it's not possible for Christ to be in hell. Hell is what? It's the absence of good. So how can these souls, if Christ would have went there, all these souls would have been freed from just his presence, you know, free from hell. That's just a little parenthesis. Now I just want to go through through the questions of St. Thomas Aquinas uh, on... A purgatory interesting question that you might have whether the suffrages of one person can profit uh, other person, others. He says, All the faithful united together by charity are members of the one body of the church. No one member is assisted by another. Therefore, one man can be assisted by the merits of another. Now, one member, sorry, I not I don't know why I said now one member is assisted by another through charity. Therefore, one man can be assisted by the merits of other. Analogy of the human body, often used in the theology of purgatory, since uh, it's related. This notion of purgatory related to um, the notion of the Church militant, triumphant, and suffering. To understand that better, we have to keep in mind the analogy with human body, different members of one and the same body. And I will read. Uh, from this great book I don't know if you're familiar with that Charity for the Suffering Souls I recommend that <laughs> R- written in 1890 something by Father John uh, Sure, I think that's a good book to have for your spiritual <clears throat> reading for the month you can write it down <clears throat> Father John, that's the hardest part. <coughs> Not Jalazen, Okay, charity for the the suffering souls. <coughs> it's been published again by Tan edition. Is anyone familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So, I think it's, it's pretty, pretty easy to understand. I mean, there is... Yeah. So, on this analogy with the body, he gives a nice... Uh, he has some nice pages here. Each member of the human body has its own duty to perform. The feet walk, the hands work, the ears hear, the eyes see, whatever a member does, it does it not for its own sake alone but also for the sake of the other members thus contributing to the welfare of the whole body Our members are united with one another in such a manner that the sensation of pleasure or pain is felt not only by the member immediately affected i my finger but more or less by all by this sympathy the various members are moved to cooperate with and assist one another as such as possible as much as possible the head is the most permanent part of the body. From it proceeds all life. Without its members, without, sorry, without it, the members are dead. The Catholic Church is constituted similar to the human body. We talk about marriage, we talk all, all the time about this analogy with the body, the head, Christ, the head, the husband, and so on. The members of the Church of Jesus Christ either triumph together in heaven, militate on earth, or suffer in purgatory. And because they are all most intimately united, they sympathize most cordially in their mutual joys and sufferings. And again, I mentioned that several times already, but in these troubled times, I think it's it's good to go back to this communion of saints. It's a powerful help and a motive of of uh, of uh, more hope, uh, trust and confidence, because again, we are not alone. We have the, the entire court of angels, Saints battling with us because when one member suffers in a way the whole body is affected so the, the, the whole court of hev- heaven is uh, Fighting with us and because they are all most intimately united. I said they sympathize m- Sympathize most cordially in their mutual joys and sufferings. We on earth rejoice at the blissful state of our glorified brethren and sisters in heaven we feel afflicted at the sufferings of the soul in purgatory We are filled with consolation or sorrow according to the intelligence we receive concerning our living brethren. This sympathy impels us to assist one another in all our needs and troubles. The spiritual goods of the church are the common property of our children. They all share in them in as far as they have need and are worthy of them. The head of this body of the faithful is Christ our Lord, as the Apostle says, and He is the head of the body, the church." So St. Thomas answers regarding this whether the suffering the suffrages of one person can profit others. He says our actions can avail for two purposes. First, for acquiring a certain state. Thus, by a meritorious work, a man obtains the state of bliss. I do a lot of action, I merit. And it's not, remember, it's not that I merit uh, it's not part of God's justice. You know, I do this and therefore I'm married to have that. I, I have to, I, it's due to me. No, it's God's mercy, first of all, that He's applied to us. He accepted to uh, have it this way that we can work, cooperate with Him and therefore gain merits, gain the everlasting crown of glory. But in itself, we are not worthy of anything. Even our actions are nothing. It's only because He, as God said, okay, well, I want you to cooperate, cooperate to my work to so my work of salvation, and therefore what you do, you can acquire merits, but remember, uh, all that is due to my death on the cross, first of all, that's what St. Paul reminds us, what do you have that you did not receive, and if you have received it, why you do you act as if you had never received it, so it's the same with this merits, <coughs> whereas, whereas Christ himself, who is God of course, it's it's uh, all his actions, merits truly, merits truly, he merits, he deserves, to, um, uh, to um, obtain all these graces for all of us because, because He is God. So, secondly... So, first, by a meritorious work, a man obtains the state of bliss, everlasting happiness. Secondly, for something cons- consequent upon a state. Thus, by some work, a man merits an accidental reward or a rebate of punishment. And for both these this purposes our actions may avail in two ways. That's very Thomistic, you know, a lot of distinctions. So you have to follow. First, by, the way, by way of merit. Secondly, by way of prayer. And we go back to our, um, our two um, ends that we mentioned, the ends of the Mass and the ends in our suffrages. How we can acquire these graces for others, either in our work... You know, our penances and so on we 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 satisfy, so we receive these merits for them, because of course, souls in purgatory can 't merit anymore if you to merit something, you need to do something to perform actions to you know and since they're uh, they're dead, there is no possibility for them to perform any action to merit anything, but us here on earth, we can merit things and therefore uh, acquire graces for them as well. So the first end, uh, satisfaction, and then the second, prayer, which is a petition we ask for in our prayers. The difference being that merit relies on justice, but again, not the justice, not a justice that would simply say, okay, well, God, I did this, now you owe me this. No, He wanted yeah, of course. If I do these actions, I can gain a plenary indulgence. But it's because he, as supreme just, the uh, supreme uh, judge, decided that okay, you do this, you gain this. But it's not me, my own uh, uh, will that decides. Okay, God, you owe me this. You see what I mean? So he can take away, and uh, it's we have to keep in mind that okay, it's part of justice, but uh, a justice that have been. Um, Uh, allowed by by God. Um, Justice. And another one on prayer. And mercy. So, merit. I do something, I gain something. Merit, part of justice. And then prayer. I pray, I ask for something that's part of mercy. God gives me because I ask. Uh, He's merciful towards me. Okay, so you see always the connection. We mentioned that a few Sundays ago. Between... Justice and mercy in God. You cannot take the two, uh, separate the two. Since he who prays obtains his petition from the mere liberality, the mere generosity of the one he prays. If I pray you uh, with all my heart every Sunday to to whatever, um, well, maybe I'll never get it. Uh, It's up to your generosity, to your... um, laborality same with god i pray but i won't necessarily obtain it and that's also why one of the main characteristic of prayer is humility <clears throat> because we have to remember okay i can pray as long as much as i want but i have to remember it's part of mercy god gives or he doesn't give it's it's mercy on his side <clears throat> it's not justice <clears throat> Okay, so maybe, you know, I say that, say that all the time, but God's time is not <clears throat> our time, so maybe it takes years of prayers before having conversion in the family, or maybe never, it's maybe, you know, not on this life. You will be dead, and you won't see the fruits. But the priest is very obvious, too. You know, our spirits always told us, uh, you will sow, 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 mm-hmm but you won't necessarily get the fruits someone else your successor will get the fruits maybe and so uh, the the main aspect of prayer humble prayer because again it's not us it's God giving and if he doesn't give well thanks be to God um, accordingly we must say that the work of one person no wise can avail another for acquiring a state by way of merit so that to wit w e t i t how do you say that wit to wit. yeah to wit a man be able to merit eternal life by the works which I do because the share of glory is awarded according to the measure of the recipient, and each one is disposed by his own and not by another's action, disposed that is to say by being worthy of reward by a way of prayer, however, the work of one may profit another while he is a wayfarer, even for acquiring a state. For instance, one man may obtain the first grace for another, and since the impetration of prayer depends on the liberality of God, whom we pray, it may extend to whatever is ordinarily ordinarily subject to the divine power." (coughs) So, okay, I pray for this particular soul, but maybe God will apply these graces that I asked for to another soul that I did not expect or whatever he can... Here, I gave you, I think, last year the example of a bank account. If you remember all the graces and then in purgatory God will redistribute this this grace like a tank in which we collect all our prayers. If you pray for a family member who died and maybe he's already in heaven, well, he will redistribute these graces to who he knows needed the most. Uh, On the other hand, as regard that which is consequent upon or accessory to a state, the work of one may avail another, not only by way of prayer, but even by way of merit. And this happens in two ways, again. First, an account of their communion in the roots of the work, which root, as we mentioned at the beginning, is charity in meritorious works. Wherefore, all who are united together by charity, communion of saints, saints, those in the state of grace, acquire some benefit from one another's work. Albeit, according to the measure of each one's state, since even in heaven, each one will rejoice in the goods of others. Hence, it is that the communion of saints is laid down as an article of faith. Secondly, through the intention of the doer who does certain works, especially for the purpose that they may profit such persons, so that those works become somewhat the works of those for whom they are done, as though they were bestowed on them by the doer, wherefore they can avail them either for the fulfillment of satisfaction or for some similar purpose that does not change their state Now whether the dead the dead can be assisted by the works of the living St Augustine says of no small weight is the authority of the church whereby she clearly approves approves of the custom whereby a commendation of the dead has a place in the prayers which the priest pour forth to the Lord God at his altar, as we did this morning. This custom was established by the apostles themselves, according to the St. John the Messine, in a sermon on suffrages for the dead, where he expresses himself, saying, Realizing the nature of the mysteries, the disciples of the Savior and his holy apostles sanctioned a commemoration of those who had died in the faith, being made in the awe-inspiring and life-giving mysteries. This is also confirmed by the authority of Dionysius, where he mentions the right of the early church in praying for the dead, and moreover, asserts that the suffrages of the living profit the dead. Therefore, we must believe it without any doubt. Charity, again, charity which is the bound uniting the members of the church extends not only to the living but also to the dead who die in charity. For charity, which is the life of the soul, even as the soul is the life of the body, again a knowledge of with the body, has no end. Again, for charity, which is the life of the soul, when I lose charity, I lose what sanctifying grace, I lose charity. And therefore, my soul is dead, mortal sin. Same, uh, where is that? Even as the soul is the life of the body, death is what is simply the separation of the soul with the body. That's why it's always difficult and there is a battle, as I explained already, because this is not something that is natural to us. We were created eternal, as you know, it was one of the, the um, characteristics of the, the body before the fall. So there is this separation. Ah. Um, I found out by the way, when I was on vacation, that I had a aunt I talked to. She had an open heart surgery, and uh, she saw her body. She she came out of her body, mm-hmm. and she saw like she saw the whole doctors working on her, and she had no pain at all. She told me she saw her mom. I, I don't know, very white. The, her mom was dead. She was an older person. She, her mom was dead. But she saw her mom, like, uh, trying to reassure her and all vested in white. And she had no pain whatsoever. She doesn't know how long it lasted, but she, she could see the whole crew working on her. And after a few instances, she, she came back to her and started to feel, feel the pain. Uh, <laughs> you're probably familiar with other stories like that, but I thought that was interesting. The, how do you call this uh, experience? Out-of-body experiences. experiences. The what? Out-of-body <laughs> Out experiences. I try sometimes in my room. <laughs> 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 so yeah, separation of the body and the soul. There is a real pain. So charity never f- falls away, Corinthians. Moreover, the dead live in the memory of the living. Wherefore, the intention of the living can be directed to them. Hence, the suffrages of the living profit the dead in two ways, even as they profit the living both on account of the bond of charity and on account of the intention being directed to them. Nevertheless, we must not believe that the suffrages of the living profit them so as to change their state for unhappiness to happiness or vice versa. But they avail for the diminution of punishment or something of the kind that involves no change in the state of the dead. Because again, it's the work of God, first of all, that decides this soul is purified and can now join me in heaven, so it's not my intention. Of course, I should keep up my my prayers and so on, but uh, it's not like, oh, I did this, so I'm sure that this soul is in heaven. Uh, No, there is no certainty regarding the life to come and the state of these souls. Uh, Let me read something here. Regarding the Mass, the Requiem Mass. According to St. Thomas, a clearly expressed sentiment pervades the Mass of the Requiem which also indicates the grace obtained thereby. And these Masses enjoy greater privileges than other votive Masses. The fundamental sentiment of requiem Mass, Mass for the dead, in which all their peculiarities are embodied, is the ardent yearning for the Church to devout all her prayers and the full fruit of the Holy Sacrifice to the release of the suffering souls. Our affectionate Mother of the Church makes intercession for her departed children, while God, our Father, repulse her whom he himself gave us for a mother through his divine son, question mark. This loving mother imitates the example of our divine Savior, who clothed the Holy Sacraments in visible signs for the purpose of letting us share in the graces of redemption. Do we not conduct water and other fluids to their destination by means of pipes, break the conduct, no, conduit, conduit, and the current will cease to flow. Reject the visible signs of the Holy Sacraments, and the means of grace will be denied to you. The rite of Requiem Mass is a form established by the Church to draw the grace of heaven down upon the souls in purgatory. The formula of Requiem Mass is not used. The value of the sacrifice... Sorry. If the formula of Requiem Mass is not used, the value of the sacrifice will by no means suffer diminution, but the fruits of the church's supplication will be wanting. And you have uh, interesting pages also on the high mass of requiem. He makes a distinction between a low mass and a high mass. Of course, since we have more ministers, charity in the widest sense of its definition, charity is even more present, more members of the church, and so more graces can be uh, applied to the soul. Uh, I had this question and that I will conclude with that because I don't want to go... We don't have time and there is too much. Uh, simple question. Can these souls pray for us? I was asked. Is souls in purgatory now. If we look at the other side of the coin. Uh, can these souls pray for us? Do you have an answer? I wasn't sure. Yes or no? Raise your hand if you say yes. Can these souls pray for us? Sure. <laughs> no. They can pray for us? Mm-hmm. Yes. They can pray for us? Oh. They cannot pray for us. They cannot, <laughs> they cannot pray for us. No. Do do? Well, you're, you're both right. They it, can. It, was, no, it has never been decided by the church yet. St. Thomas? (laughs) Trick question. Trick question. (laughs) (laughs) So you can can believe both. Uh, You can believe both. Either that they can pray for you, kind of intercede for you, or uh, or not. Unfortunately, I'm a Thomist. (laughs) So here is what St. Thomas says. Those who are in purgatory though they are above us on account of their impeccability they cannot sin anymore yet they are below us as the pains which they suffer and in this respect they are not in a condition to pray but rather in a condition that requires us to pray for them Bellarmine will say the contrary Suarez I think will say the contrary many other saints and Saint Catherine of Genoa will say the contrary uh, So it's interesting. Uh, I, I am more uh, on the side of St. Thomas because to me, I mean, in a, again, there is no answer, so I don't, but very in a simple way, you know, they their only purpose in purgatory is to get purified as soon as possible. They want to get to heaven, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, what's the point of trying to do something else? So like you're in the kitchen, you have to finish this beautiful meal. You don't want to be uh, serving uh, the aperitif or whatever other food... In another room, you know, you want to be there and finish it up to bring the beautiful dish to your king. So it's the same with this soul. They are in purgatory, you know, they want to get out of here as soon as possible. And once they are out of there, they can actually intercede for you in a much more powerful way. So uh, that's a little childish explanation, but that's... uh, Yes? I have have This is my theory, Stephanie's theory, that... There's different levels of purification in purgatory. When you get to a higher level where you're almost purified, you may be given, be allowed to pray for people. So the higher, yeah, and that's just a thought. I'm going to throw that out. It's a nice thought. You're free to, to, (laughs) you're free to to believe that. The church neither agrees or disagrees. I know. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, if you're going up up, then maybe you can intercede. I don't know. But again, still, I mean, if we keep our analogy... Uh, okay, they just have to serve a quick little thing. They're almost there. <laughs> yes? Again, it's fine. You're allowed to do it. It was never uh, defined by the church, so, right. so you, you can you can ask for their prayers, for their intercession. Uh, well, we'll have the answer in heaven, so... Uh, again, uh, here, just to keep the balance. Uh, on the con... Is it the same one? Mm. I think I had... Mm. But all the souls that have come... People that have said that souls have appeared to them, and I know there's stories on that. <coughs> yeah. None of the souls said... Here, I'm going to help you do such and such. It is, you know, please get rid of the ugly painting that I painted that's keeping me in purgatory. <coughs> please do pay the alms that I didn't pay so that I can get out of purgatory. It's always, please help me get out of purgatory. And in that process, you realize how horrible it is to be in purgatory, and it gives you that idea mm. to do better in your life to begin with. But I don't remember reading anything that said the souls came back. Pray for you or yeah. help you in some specific mm. way and again maybe when, with these stories of souls uh, is it actually intercession of the soul itself or is it simply God knowing that we are asking to this soul God himself <laughs> interceding and trying to reassure us whereas mm-hmm. the soul doesn't do anything or doesn't have to do anything or right. you see so yes Abbe last question so do we, are we able to pray for souls uh, for their um, well being, and both after they die, are we able to pray for um, a reduction of their pain and suffering? Well, let's say we, we fear that they may be a damned soul mm-hmm. because of their past, of course, we can't judge. But after they die, do continue praying that they were able to finish in the grace of God. Thank you, sir. You so oh, so don't do know what God. happens exactly at that moment. Yeah. Yes, you have this. Oh you were going to You have this famous uh lady that asked uh, John marie Vianney, I give you the, the, the example already, uh, you oh, yeah. know, when she was slowly desperate for her husband's death who committed a suicide, he jumped from the bridge, and so she prayed after his death, she prayed a lot and so on. And so St. John Marie said. Well, when, when he jumped from the bridge, uh, he had enough time to make an act, a perfect act of contrition. So mm-hmm. m- since God is not in time, yeah, maybe he can apply, you know, we don't know, he can apply these the sacrifices that he, he knew we would do uh, for, for these souls. We, we don't know, you know. It's, it's this difficult notion of time and eternity, you know, we're... Ah! I, I think you answered my question, but I just wanted to say, for example, uh, I always pray for my mother. And um, you always uh, keep praying, because like you say, that you're not, I have a trouble um, trusting that God is listening, but should you just keep praying? And, cause yeah, I yeah, again, we, we don't. If, you, if she's not in purgatory, then apply for <coughs> my next.